The Understable Podcast is brought to you by Spartan Roofing and Anchor.fm. Are you or someone you know looking for reliable contact for exterior renovations? Look no further. Give Spartan Roofing and Renovations a call to schedule your free consultation. With every project Spartan Roofing completes, they make a donation to the Dayton Disc Golf Club to help support the fast-growing community. If you have a minute, give them a like on Facebook and Instagram. Spartan Roofing services the greater Dayton area and is licensed and insured in the state of Ohio. To schedule your appointment, call 937-532-0315 and ask for Charles. All right, guys, it's been a long hiatus for us. Uh, we do apologize. Our schedules have been kind of busy, but the Understable Podcast is back. This time it's episode 40. Four mm-hmm. zero, Brandon. Can you believe it? Mm-hmm. Um, no, I can't. I can't. And and uh, yeah, like you said, I feel like we would definitely have some more things done. But we've both been wrapping up. I think all three of us here. Um, I'm when I say three, I'm including Kevin in this equation. All wrapped up our disc golf season, so I think we all went a little extra ham on the practice and stuff like that because we wanted to shoot well on our way out. And we'll talk more about that when we get Kevin on the line. We'll we'll have a little season wrap up. Yep, we're planning that for the next episode, most likely, where Brandon, myself, and our mutual friend Kevin, who does all of our behind-the-scenes work, will be joining us, and we are going to do a end-of-season wrap-up. Talk about things, do we meet expectations, all that. But this episode is not that. So, this episode is actually kind of very much a rules-based episode, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A course etiquette, and... um... And yeah, we're just kind of like taking it back to basics. So like, you know, if you're a new disc golfer, like this could be super useful for you just for every day going to the course kind of stuff. You know, we will have some like PDJ rules. Then we'll also have some like loose unspoken kind of rules for when you're out on the course casual or in the tournament. So my thought behind this was my roommate and my neighbor were out playing at a local pitch and putt course. It's nine baskets, 18 holes. And they got thrown down on twice. And my neighbor actually got hit in the leg. Mm-hmm. And the guys basically said four, like real quiet, like right as the disc hit him. And then the story I got was this John Doe basically said, Oh, that's why the club has insurance. Well, that is not the proper response. If you're on the course. So, with that being said, let's just go ahead and start with Rules Section 812 for courtesy. A player must not, and this is straight from the PDJ's website, not necessarily verbatim, but it's straight from the PDJ's Rules section. A player must not throw if the disc might injure someone or distract another player. They must not throw out of order without consent or when it would impact another player. Or they must not engage in distracting or unsportsmanship actions such as cursing, shouting, throwing a tantrum while mo- throwing a tantrum, moving while another player is throwing. One of the big things with that is we hear a lot of times ready golf. Which when you're running out of daylight, when you're trying to hurry up through round, that's fine. But any other time outside of that, make sure you pr- you use the proper throwing order. True, 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 true. Um yeah, I, I think a lot of what this comes down to, you know, a lot of this is just looking twice, honestly. Like, you see all those uh, 
You see all those advertisements for like looking twice for like a motorcyclist. It's kind of the same thing on the disc golf course. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you never know when, uh, you never know when some little old lady's going to pop out from behind a tree when she's walking in a chihuahua or something like that. You know, <laughs> that stuff can happen, you know, to other players and it can also happen to pedestrians as well. So like when, you, especially we have so many courses that are like in a park. I was, I was uh, caddying for, my buddy Josh Klomstra at the uh, Michigan Pro State Championships just yesterday. And we had people riding bikes. We had uh, we had someone walking a dog, someone go sit on a bench, like right by, the, you know, kind of in the middle of the fairway or like near the green. So um, there is a there is a part of it uh, that is up to you to to take that second glance. You know what I mean? Well, that. Those particular situations, I mean, they happen everywhere. We have, of course, mm -hmm. Caesars Ford Park that has a ton of, like, horse horseback riding trails. And this brings us to unwritten rule number one. Pedestrians always have the right-of-way. Your casual park goers, your, your bikers, your walkers, always be courteous and let them go first. That is true. That is true. And another uh, right-of-way rule that you might find kind of interesting is um so i'll paint you another situation from yesterday we are walking um I, i'm i'm caddying for my buddy who's on the third card uh, of the tournament right um he's two two cards back of the lead card we are walking up a fairway and that fairway goes directly behind the basket of um Another fairway. So the people teeing on the hole, uh, ironically, it was like Andrew Marweed. Andrew Marweed was teeing off on this hole. He could see us in the background. So for Andrew Marweed, us walking in the background is not a big deal. He just threw anyway. Um, and a couple of the other guys, you know, one other guy, he threw, and another guy waited for us. But we have the right of way walking. We can if we want. If we want, we could have stopped. You know, or they could have waved for us, but those guys on that top card, they knew that we actually have the right of way. It's more beneficial for them to wait for us to get to our tee, which is out of their vision, so then we wouldn't be distracting them. So then that's that's kind of on them to decide: am I going to throw or or what? You know what I mean? Because a lot of times when you're in a tournament, like you'll stop and you'll you'll stop for someone putting. If you're if they're already doing it, I mean you can stop, but you moving from your basket to your next tee, you have the right of way. It's on the player throwing to decide, am I going to throw or am I going to wait for these people to walk from their basket to the tee? Which I found, I found that very interesting. That was something that I kind of, kind of sort of learned yesterday. So let me throw this scenario out. You're on a tee box. I'm down the fairway facing the coming back towards you, right? You're ready to tee off. I'm prepping my shot. Who, who in your opinion would have, the right of way if you will for throwing so you okay you say you're prepping your shot right so i'm and, and I, I'm, I'm on the tee i'm standing in the ferry lining up my upshot you're standing on the tee box kind of we're kind of going like parallel to each other but i'm coming back towards you mm -hmm. like i'm in your field of vision yes who do you think would have the right of way for the next shot you on the tee box or me on the fairway i would give it to you on the fairway um, like, because if you throw a shot, if you are distracting me, whether or not you can see me, if you are distracting me, 
it is on me as a player to take a step back or or even communicate to you or like wave you down if you can see me it's up to me to kind of wave you down say hey go go or it's up for it's up to me to wait i would give you the right of way because there are also scenarios where you're throwing with your back to someone teeing off so like say you're throwing the other way and you don't even see me but you're distracting me on the tee it's up to me to take a step back and say i'm gonna let this guy throw because if i throw and i have a bad shot because you distracted me whose fault is that honestly whose fault is it? it's mine right? right yeah so that that's how i would assess that situation all right so the whole unsportsmanship stuff like we i mean we've seen it over and over again Mm-hmm. biggest name for this as we all know is nico mm-hmm. um i don't really want to touch on his situation because i think that's i mean it is very relevant to what we're discussing but at the same time it's like do we really want to get into that right now and i i just it's been beat around the bush so many times we can just forego that mm-hmm. um but yeah cursing around your card mates shouting throwing tantrums you know throwing your equipment around kicking it um all those kind of things are, are poor sportsmanship and should not be displayed on the course. So, um, another thing is making threats. Like if you make a physical threat towards someone, uh, don't you best believe you can get thrown out of a tournament instantly for making a physical threat against someone. I, I'm not gonna name any names, but that's kind of funny that you like we are on this subject today. Like, just I'm going back to yesterday again. We had a player DQ'd from a pretty high up card at the Michigan State Championships because they made a physical threat to someone else. TD came over, booted them out. They they lost their money. They're probably going to go through some sort of discipline with the PDGA. Like, but all you you make that physical threat. I mean, there's obviously there was some sort of there was tension going before, but a physical threat was made. And the person who received the physical threat said, "Hey, like I'm not going to stand for this. Uh, you know, I'm out here trying to play golf." They called the TD over. It was a done deal, just like that. So physical threats, no place for that on the course, absolutely at all, casual or in tournament. Right, and even especially in tournaments, like even consistently or constantly arguing with the TD or um, any of the assistant TDs threatening them, that will get you pretty much immediately removed from the tournament. Yeah. So just don't do it. Just act respectable out there on the course. I know we all have bad days, we all have bad shots. Um, just kind of try to move on from that shot and the next one's another shot. Yeah. What else we got, buddy? All right. So along with that, with this category of, of the courtesy and proper etiquette player, here's things that you must do as a player. You must watch your card made shots. Mm-hmm. This is to ensure a, there are legal throws and B to potentially find lost discs. Also, if Brandon and I are out on a course, and his bag is, say, in my run-up, and I say, hey, Brandon, can you move your bag? And he doesn't move his bag, I can technically stroke him one stroke because it's a courtesy violation right then and there. Mm-hmm. Um, the other the same one- thing goes for, like, putting. Like, say my putt is on the other side of the green, and, you know, say you airball and hit my bag. If I don't make an effort to move the bag, I could be stroked. Yep, and that also goes for discs in the basket, too. If you putt out and you leave it there and I go to putt and my disc bounces out, that's a violation on you. So, 
The other big thing we find with this is making sure you're helping your party or your card look for lost discs. If there's three of you looking for a lost disc and you're the only one that's not, well, you're wrong and you can have a courtesy violation with a stroke penalty. It's true. And that, that does go back to what you said about you got to watch your card mates throw discs. I've had situations where I even asked everybody, I said, hey, let's watch this. I was, we were playing on a, it was March or something like that, a very wooded course, leaves all over the place. I had a factory second gummy champ rhino. So nice. And it was like a root beer colored. And I was like, hey, you guys uh, help me watch this. Threw it off the tee. Sure enough, we couldn't find it. And I asked these guys, like, hey, well, wh- wh- where'd it go? And they were just like, I-, I wasn't watching, man. This was back when I was playing like uh, lower divisions and stuff like that. But yeah, it was, it was upsetting. Okay. I had to take a stroke. I-, I had to take a stroke. I had to, I lost a disc that was valuable to me and just like valuable in general. And yeah, it's just not fun. That was my last hole of the tournament too. Oh, I wanted to get up my course so bad. Must have been a bad day for you. It was terrible. Yeah, it was awful. All right. So moving on. Next next topic in this discussion. Rule eight one three illegal discs. Go ahead, Brandon. All discs in play must be approved by the PDGA. Um, it is hard to break that rule because almost every disc is approved by the PDGA. Uh, any disc that you have even remotely even heard of is 95% likely to have been approved by the PDGA. No excessive sanding or etching. This does not count towards etching off uh, flashing on the bottom of your disc. Um, it, that's, it must be minimal removal yep. of, of substance. Yep. Uh, you cannot add any material of a detectable thickness. This one's really important. Like, you can't paint on the top of your disc. Uh, you can't put, like, I've seen discs sold on dollar disc off auctions where they have, like, a print. like a, It's like a film print that's kind of been stuck over a disc. Uh, that is not legal because you're adding weight to the disc and uh, in turn kind of changing the flight. Uh, you also cannot play with a disc that is cracked or has a hole in it. I believe this also includes if you have a thorn sticking out of the disc or has created a bump in it that will alter the flight. I believe that also makes it an illegal disc to use. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I don't think you can use a disc because you'd be, if you took that thorn out, then you've got a hole in your disc. Correct. So, yeah, that one, that would go to and. Probably a safety issue if you're throwing a disc around with a thorn in it. <laughs> yeah, but down here in Ohio, there's a lot of trees that have big old massive spikes on them. Mm-hmm. So it's very easy to puncture a disc. Of course. Only in Ohio. Yep. Sorry. Go blue. Yes. Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So also with this. During night or winter golf, a TD may allow things such as glow tape or other materials to assist in finding the disc, such as your string or your chalk. Um, those things can be approved by the TD for a actual sanctioned tournament if it helps finding your disc. Yeah. Um, I don't. Oh. I don't. I don't think this is a a, a sanctioned thing. I, I think in sanctioned because most glow stuff that you. I think all glow stuff that you play is unsanctioned because of these rules or because of be these, be, because of these ch- changes to the disc that you end up making. 
That's a good point. I didn't think of it that way. Um, all right. All discs that are used in Play 8 with the exception of a mini marker must be identifiably marked. There was an issue with this two years ago on the tour. Mm-hmm. Paige Pierce and Haley King. I'm sure you recall this. Yep. I believe Paige let Haley throw one of her discs in the tournament or something. Anyway, either way, there was like two discs out there that I think had Paige's markings on them or something. They were the same disc. I don't remember what the whole situation was, but there was controversy over whose disc was whose because it wasn't properly marked. So just make sure you, you put some sort of identifying ink on your on your disc. Carl Childs down here in Ohio, he puts a smiley face on every one of his discs. That's mm-hmm. his unique identifier. So if any of um, you find any end of a disc with a smiley face on him, reach out to Carl. It's probably his. <laughs> every single one that has a smiley face. Oh, yep. I think that happened the same year. Um, I believe it was the first or second year that Ricky was on uh, Latitude 64. He was playing with Devin Owens, who was also on lap 64, and they both threw the same. This is very rare, but they both threw the same colored, um, insane mold of a disc. And then there was like some slight confusion over whose was whose. I think their stamps may have varied in color, but like, you know, one of them walked, but they weren't marked. Neither of them had marked their disc. And uh, I, I remember Paul, Paul said something about it like after the round. Um, that they were because they had sharpied their disc like after that situation like after they threw then they both went back to their bags and uh marked up their discs but but that's 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 one of the main reasons for it is like say you're throwing a, a your mark is throwing a yellow m3 and i also throw a yellow m3 there could there's definitely could be confusion which could lead to misplays like that's that's one of the main reasons it's there. It's super, super uh, unlikely that something happens because I'm not. I don't throw the M3. Correct. But that is why it's there. <laughs> also, the player that ha- plays with unmarked disc receives a one penalty or one throw a one stroke penalty for every subsequent throw after it's mm. determined it's unmarked. Oof. So brutal. Let me go back to the approval by the PDGA real quick because I found this very interesting. So. One of your newest additions to your bag is the Raider. Ah, you're welcome. Yeah, um, thank you. If you, you know, the PDGA has a list of every single disc that they have approved. The max weight for your Raider, I believe, was 175. Mm-hmm. So if you have a 176 Raider in your bag, that is considered illegal for tournament play. Yep. So the only thing that's allowed is what the PDGA declares on their website up to certain weights. So check your discs, make sure they fall under the weight, that actual weight scale. And yeah. don't be out there with an illegal disc because you can get DQ'd for it very quickly. I think um, manufacturers, unless it's a mid-range, I do not believe a manufacturer will ever mark their disc over 175, even if it does weigh more um, for that reason. So, like, yeah, it, it's kind of it's, – it's on you to weigh the disc – uh, on your own because they could mark at 175 and uh, like I've seen it I've seen a I've seen a disc marked 175 and it comes in 176 or 177 um that that's on you to uh to know um and also on you to not tell anybody if it's 176 just kidding and just kidding but uh yeah that is that is pretty interesting but yeah like you got to be on the lookout for that stuff because they won't mark at 170 
uh, anything over 175. Right. Now, uh, the likelihood of a TD wanting to wit, wanting to, wanting to scale everybody's disc and everybody's bag, that's probably not going to happen ever. Probably not. But there is a possibility that, hey, once in a while, hey, I want to scale all your discs. I mean, I've never seen it in the four years I've been competing, but, you know, as the, the- as the sport grows, it, it could potentially be a real thing in the future. That does seem like something, and I'm not like picking on golf here, but like this does seem like something that would potentially happen in golf. Like, I don't know, you you know maybe golf better than I do, and I wish Kevin was here, but like I'm guessing like a ball can only be like a certain weight or there's uh, restrictions to certain stiffness. I know that um, golf balls comes in, come in, in different like um, stiffness or softness um, for spin. Uh, but I, I, I'm curious, is there any sort of weight limit stuff for, for golf? We would have to reach out to Kevin. He's the expert. I honestly don't know that. Yeah. Um, Cause I could see like, if, if the sport got really big, I could see it happening. Like you, there's a way, a weigh in station, you know what I mean? Like, like a weigh in station for semis on the side of the road, but you're weighing all of your discs. I mean, you again, I mean? as the sport grows, it's, it's a possibility that could happen. I mean, we yeah, won't I mean, know it, until it does, and I oh, hope you got all legal discs. Yep. Yeah, check your favorite discs. Make sure they're all 175 or under, unless they're mid-ranges. Yep, absolutely. All right, so removing of obstacles, or moving obstacles, sorry. All right, so according to the PDJ rule 803.01, a player must choose the stance that results in the least movement of any obstacle that is a permanent or integral part of the course. Once a stance has been taken, the player may not move an obstacle in order to make room for a throwing motion. It is legal for a player thro- for a player's throwing motion to cause incidental movement of an obstacle. Yeah, yeah. So if you if you throw your disc really hard and maybe it, you know it permanently breaks a stick or whatever, like that's out of your control. That's what that means. Well, it also goes back to like you're not supposed to move branches out of your way, and if you're throwing motion yeah, yeah. causes things to move, it's it's perfectly legal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So hey, no, I, f- I find this funny and kind of interesting about everything you just read. It says once a stance has been taken, the player may not move an obstacle in order to make room for throwing motion. So that's really interesting. Uh, I, you gotta get in there and make your adjustments before you get into your stance like you can stand over your disc and then you can move things and then stand over it again and move again but like once you've taken your throwing stance once you get in your athletic position then it's uh it's that that that's it yeah i didn't i didn't really know that honestly learn something new every day all right a player is not allowed to move any obstacle on the course with the other than the uh, i fluffed that Cut! Cut! Uh, cut! <laughs> <laughs> Take two. A player is not allowed to move any obstacle on the course with the fo- or other than the following exceptions, basically. A player may move casual obstacles that are on the playing surface where a supporting point may be placed or when taken a stance. A casual obstacle is any item or collection of loose debris such as stones, leaves, twigs, or unconnected branches, or any item de- as designated by the director. Again, this comes down to the dead and unattached rule. Mm-hmm. But with that, you're only allowed to move with what needs to be moved to take a safe stance. You can't just go move like 20 logs out of your way because, oh, I'm standing here. 
You move mm-hmm. the bare minimum so you can take a safe stance for your throw. Yeah, and, and you know it's funny? There's like a gray area around. You know, like they put logs around a green sometimes. I think we saw this at the World Championships last year when Paul McBeth moved a log that was on the green because his disc was lying on it. And there was there was like debate and there was kind of no, you know, no... He didn't get like there was no penalty or anything because it was a gray area. It wasn't something that was clearly established as part of the course. It's it's a dead and unattached piece of nature. So he moved it, tapped in his putt, and then like put it back. And it, like so that was pretty interesting. But here's the thing with that: was that intentionally put there to to define the green? See, but we we, we don't know. We don't, that. we don't. I, we don't know that. Even you know what I mean. I think I, the TD would would have to know that and and I don't right. think they had an answer so Paul got his birdie and moved on. It also says that a player may restore course equipment to its proper working order including the removal of obstacles. So even if that was a part of the course, he could legally move it for his lie and then put it back when he was done. Okay, that's interesting. A player may also request that other people pretty much spectators or other competitors either move themselves or their belongings out of like comes down to what we talked about earlier with your equipment being in my way. Exactly. So that, and then that other thing I talked about where if Marweed really wanted, he could have waited. He could have asked for us to stop moving and we could have done that for him, but he didn't ask for that. And he knew that we had the right of way going through. So he just threw anyway, but that dude, has ice in his veins. I, I wouldn't yes, have been able to because because I'm a head case, but he's he banks forty footers and throws four hundred foot sidearms like it's nobody's business. So right, he's a different animal. All right, a player who moves any obstacle on the course other than as allowed above receives a one throw penalty. So when you're out playing your casual rounds, if you want to play by the rules, which you should anyway, stick to it. Call your buddies out. Don't be don't be afraid to say, "Hey, that's that's a penalty for this reason." I mean, yeah, it's kind of like the maybe the frowned upon thing in your buddy group, but at the same time, if you want to help grow the sport and you want this to get bigger, rules have to start being enforced more. So stick you to also, it. Also, you also got to do everything that you can to get that five dollars off them in that bet that you made before the round started. Am I right or am I right? Cheaters never prosper. Inflation is crazy these days. I need that five dollars. Little Caesar's pizza went from five sixty to five eighty, man. I need oh, man. that five dollars. <laughs> <laughs> One of the other things I wanted to touch on real quick, kind of along the lines, is I mean, we we've already talked about it, the whole the whole movement or standing behind the basket. Um, just use use some common sense. I mean, if there's somebody lining up a putt and you're right behind the basket, be as still as you can unless they ask you to move and try and hurry up out of the way. Yeah. And, and There's then, nothing uh, worse than trying to line up your putt and have that distraction behind you and just throws your whole putt off. Yeah. And then, and then another thing, the, the opposite side of that coin, if it's you putting and someone's distracting you, don't be afraid to back off your putt and reset. It's actually really good practice for you because it's going to happen in tournaments. It's going to happen. So, you know, if you're the kind of person who doesn't like distractions and someone's moving around, don't be afraid to step off of your lie and be like, hey, man, hey, 
quit moving or whatever. You know, nobody's going to be offended because, I mean, in disc golf, we're all competing against each other, but we don't want, you know, I want, I want you to make all the putts, you know, when I'm playing with you, I want you to make the putts, you know, and vice versa. I'm sure we all want to have a good time. We all want to score well. And, and if you decide to putt through a distraction and you miss the putt because you're distracted, um, it doesn't feel good for you or your buddies. So take that second to back up, let things kind of settle down and then reset. Cause it's actually a really good practice to back off and reset because it's going to happen and you never know when it's going to happen. And I believe if I'm not mistaken that any distraction and you step off your lie will reset your 32nd timer also. I think so. Yeah. Now I, I know so. I've, I've been at, over at Kevin's we've been putting in the backyard and I've actually timed my putting routine mm-hmm. and the longest I've taken is 18 seconds. And I felt like I was taking forever. Yeah. So Guys, at the end of the day, 30 seconds is a very long time when you're lining up a putt or a shot or whatever. It seems yeah, minuscule and as a time scale, but at the end of the day, 30 seconds is a lot longer than you think. 18 to 20 is probably what I take to putt every time. Would you guess? That'd be about right. But I'm pretty I'm pretty slow. I'm a pretty slow putter. All right, one more thing that I kind of wanted to talk about before we wrap the show up. So I want to talk about hazards. So hazards are a little different than OB. So OB uh, is when you are out of bounds. Obviously, that's what OB stands for. But you would take your lie in a new position with OB, whether that be a drop zone, whether that be the last place the disc was out of bounds, or whether that be a an area on the hole that the tournament director has designated. Hazard is a little bit different. Hazards look like bunkers or maybe some just some tall grass that's been roped off or something like that. But a hazard is an area designated by the director which incurs a penalty throw. A disc is in a hazard if its position is clearly and completely surrounded by a hazard or by a combination of the hazard and an out-of-bounds area. A player whose disc is in a hazard receives one penalty throw. The lie is not relocated. That is one of the biggest differences between hazard and out of bounds. If the throw moves the if the thrower moves the disc before a determination whether it is a hazard has been made, the disc is considered to be in the hazard. So this is most commonly a bunker on a ball golf course, right? Correct. We see it a lot out west. Las Vegas has it. There's some in Arizona that have it. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, you do see it on, on the course. So what this means is say you're playing a course that's a ball golf course um, and a bunker has been labeled as hazard, right? You land inside that bunker, your next throw, you throwing from the exact spot that your disc has landed, but you're incurring that penalty throw. So you throw off the tee on a par three, land right in the bunker, but then you make the putt from the bunker, you're taking a three, even though it took you two throws. Right. So, I mean, I don't have anything to add to that. I mean, that's pretty cut and dry. (laughs) I did a pretty good job explaining. Yeah. But let let me ask you this. So you're out playing with your buddies, casual round, and there's a, say, a creek that runs through one of the holes that on the sign is OB. 
right? Yeah. Creeks dried up or mostly dry. I mean, there's a few few spots of puddles. Your disc lands in a dry spot. Do you still play that as OB? Because it's not really a creek. It's just like stone or whatever. You would still play that as out of bounds because the design of the course has declared that it's out of bounds. Does that make sense? Or, yeah, it does. or if a tournament or if a tournament director declares that it's out of bounds because that's the rule that it's playing by. If it was it can't be considered hazard because the season would determine uh, or conditions would determine because if it's hazard and there's water in it, you have to throw from the water. Does that make sense? Right. So even if it's dried up, if the course plays, like if the T sign says it's out of bounds or or if it's common knowledge that it plays as an out of bounds, even if it's dried up, it's still out of bounds. You would take that lie, you would go into the creek, you would grab the disc, and you would relocate your lie where it was last in bounds, and then you would throw again with that penalty throw. Gotcha. Okay. I was just curious on that because we have a course down here where the creek beds are pretty much dried up. Yeah. But the still on the sign is OB. I, in that case, I usually play if you're surrounded by water, it's OB. We got uh, winter rules coming up here, buddy. We got no... No Mandos, no OBs. Do you guys play that in Ohio? Winter rules? That's the first I've heard of it. <laughs> really? You never heard of winter rules? No, sir. That's crazy. That We play that in Michigan. Like, we have leagues and uh, tournaments at courses, and uh, almost all of them will play. Because, you know, like, sidewalks are usually out of bounds or play as rivers. Mm-hmm. In a lot of places in Michigan, so coming up here soon, we have leagues coming up. We play winter rules. You don't have to throw the mandos, and you don't play. Um, you don't play sidewalks is out of bounds. Just out of curiosity, why is that? Honestly, I have no idea. It's just been. It's been. That's one of those things that's been that way since I started playing. That was like. That has been like in place here in West Michigan since I started playing. It it was really weird because I, one of the the first league I ever played, was a winter league, and it had a no mando, uh, no ob rule. It was in we play tournaments at that same course, and uh, during the winter, and we play the rules. Interesting. It's, it's it's weird. I can't believe you guys never heard of that. Nope. Now they might have it down here, but it's nothing that I've actually heard of. Um, really. But then again, the last three years I've run a three disc winter league, so. And I just play it. True. I don't have any mandos. In, well, there's one mando on the course, and the only OB is basically water. So yeah, you'd you'd still. I yeah. Um, I don't know. I never throw. There is a creek that runs through the course, but I never throw in it. So I don't remember if we play that creek as out of bounds still. But I would imagine we don't. You probably just take it where the safest lie is because there's no OBs. Yeah, probably. If anyone here listening has the no, uh. The no, it has the winter rules in their local area. Comment on our our post about this if you have it. Comment on our post where we share this this episode because I want to know. I'm curious. All right, I think that's really about it for this episode. Yeah, if you guys enjoyed it, uh, let us know if you have questions about any other rules. Um, we are definitely open to talking about more rules after an episode. So. Um, when we post a, a fan question or or an episode, drop a comment. Say, hey, I would love to have some clarity on rule X or whatever. 
uh, and we'll look into it and we'll get that question answered for you. And, you know, if you're looking for opinions on rules or, or anything like that, let us know. We would definitely love to answer those uh, after we hit our main topics in our future podcasts. Absolutely. Um, one thing I need to shout out real quick is this episode is brought to you by Hazy Shade Disc Golf and More. Uh, guys, check out the store. Check out their website. They usually have a pretty good selection of stuff in there. So um, get to your local stores, specifically Hazy, and get what you need. Thanks, Hazy. So until next time, guys, keep it in the fairway. Yeah.